Welcome back, everybody. It's Dina Calmetta here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we're going to continue in our series, The Book of Daniel for Beginners, and we are on Chapter 8. Susan, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks so much, Dina, and glad to be back. And wow, this is an action-packed chapter. Okay, and it's action-packed in an action-packed book of the Bible. This is probably, well, I don't like to classify books in the Bible, but it's a very significant book. The reason for that is it's very prophetic, and it's got a lot of amazing encounters with God throughout. So for anybody who's joining us now for the first time, I implore you to go back and check out our videos one through seven, part one and part two of, of chapter seven also. I mean, we cover a lot of material. We, you know, we meet Jesus with the, the three boys in the fiery furnace. We see the disembodied hands writing on the wall. We see Daniel escaping lions in the lion den. And a lot of people don't know this, but do you know that he was third in command under King Cyrus and Darius in uh, their kingdom of the Medes and Persians? A lot of people don't know that about Daniel. He was really top flight for someone who was captured Jew in that kingdom. That is just phenomenal. Don't you think? That's what you call highly favored by God. Right. And just amazing. And, and this is, a lot of people don't know these things. But if you go back, what we do is we try to give you a lot of background information so you get a clear picture of what's going on in these chapters. And that's why we call it Daniel for Beginners, because we're trying to make it as easy and palatable and user-friendly as possible. Right, Dina? That's right. Verse by verse, step by step. And boy, Dina is just you know, does a fantastic job with production and just really doing a wonderful professional production of what we're doing. But without all that being said, I'm going to go forward because we must. We've got a lot to talk about. Chapter 8 is huge. So let's take a look. So in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that it was Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, southward, so that no beast might stand before him, and neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, break his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hands. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. When he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. 
and it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint, which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the hosts to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Okay, well, if you're just picking this up for the first time and you're reading that, you're probably very confused. I mean, that's a lot of confusing stuff. But look, we're going to try to get into this and really pick this apart and make this more understanding. So let's go back to verse 1 at the top here. It says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto him, unto me at the first. Well, Belshazzar was a Babylonian king. He came sometime after Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Daniel came into Babylon at, during the time Nebuchadnezzar was king, and he, he remained through various reigns of kings, and King Belshazzar was one of them, and he was an evil king. If you want to know more about him, go back to chapter 3, and you can hear all about, you know, the writing on the wall, and that's about Belshazzar. But it goes on to talk about the location. It says, and I saw in a vision and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace which is in the province of Elam and I saw in a vision and I was by the river of Uli. Okay, he's having a vision right here but he was in Shushan. I like to talk about this because Dina... Shushan is where my name comes from, Susan. Did you know that? I did not know that. Now, Shushan means lily. This is just funny. I have to collect pictures of lilies, especially Monet. I like the Monet lilies, right? <laughs> Love lilies. Okay. I lay. I find out later that the name Susan means lily in Hebrew. Okay. I did not know this. <laughs> I was interested in lilies, but that's kind of funny. But the reason they named that palace Shushan or that area, not the palace, but the location, was it was just had a lot of lilies in the area. So it would have been quite pretty, I think, with the lilies. This would be the same location, I believe, that Esther, we find Esther in the book of Esther. Okay, mm -hmm. just for interest, we see Daniel here in 551 BC. That's 551 years before the birth of Christ. The city is in Persia. It was about 230 miles east of Babylon and about 120 miles north of the Persian Gulf. If that, you know, you want to know where we are, you got to kind of get a feel for where we are. Let's go ahead and take a look. It says here, and this is Daniel talking about this vision he's having. He says, Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before a, the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. Okay, who is the ram? The ram is Persia and the Medes, the Medo-Persian kingdom, which had taken over from Nebuchadnezzar. That's what this represents. This ram also represents, in the statue that we see in chapter 2, in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, where the gold head is Babylon, and then we see the silver, that is the Medo-Persian 
kingdom represented by the arms, the two arms and the chest of that great statue in silver. The two arms represent the Medo, the Medes, and the Persian kingdoms. And so that's exactly what this ram means. So we have the two horns. Now, why is one horn larger than the other? Well, we got the answer when we saw in chapter 7, we saw that the beast, which was the bear, had a higher horn on the bear. We see that he was raised up on one side. And that is because the Persian side between the Persian and the Medes were the more military side. So when that bear has three ribs in its mouth, then you understand that it was, you know, because it had conquered three nations. But here in this section, we also see one horn higher than the other, and that means that the Persians were the more warring faction between the Medes and the Persians. And that time, we would have seen that Cyrus was the one who was more, you know, military-oriented. And that's why we see that, you know, the two uneven horns, okay? It says in 4, I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will, and became great. And so, again, what we're seeing here is this ram was pushing westward, conquering Babylonia, Asia Minor, and Syria to its west. And so we see Asia Minor here. That is also includes the area of Pergamon that we see in Revelation, in, I think, chapter 3 of Revelation, uh, one of the seven churches that Jesus talks about and addresses, and that includes Pergamon. So at this point in time, that's, you know, what's going on. Now, the pushing northward by the ram is towards Armenia and the Caspian Sea, and then pushing southward would have been moving into Ethiopia and Egypt. It says, and they did become great, and they did. Verse 5 says, And I was considering, behold, and he goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes that goat is greece and that represents the third section of the statue in nebuchadnezzar's dream and that's the belly which is the bronze which represents the bronze age in history and that was utilized by the greeks they were using bronze or brass, okay? And that's, you know, the one and the same. So the key goat is Greece. Now, what is, there's a, a notable horn between his eyes. Okay, I'll tell you what that is. That horn represents Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, he was a conqueror, and he was a very young guy when he started his conquests for Greece, and he studied under Aristotle, so he was also very bright, but he used elephants to conquer a large section of the world, and it went from Greece all the way across Asia. In fact, he conquered a staggering one and a half million square miles. I mean, given the fact that there were no tanks or cars or anything back then, that was quite an accomplishment, right, Dina? That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. He actually destroyed the Medo 
Persian Empire that I mentioned, you know, just prior. And he did it in a three-year campaign, and we call it the year 334-331 BC. Now, for anybody who's listening to this, if it looks like we're going backwards in time, you know, we are. We're counting down because when Daniel shows up on the scene, it's approximately 1600 BC. And as we get closer and closer to the birth of Jesus, the years start to, you know, descend backward. And so I know that's a bit confusing, but it's important to know that. So we're talking about Alexander the Great, studied under Aristotle, conquered a large amount of land and destroys the Medo-Persian Empire and finishes his campaign with that empire between 334 and 331 BC. And he was, you know, I speculated before 29 to 30. I actually found out for sure he was 32 years old when he died very young man, and he actually died not just of syphilis, but also malaria. And so he wasn't living a very good life there at the last, but, you know, that's that's that. So that's what happened to him. And it, it's interesting to note Cyrus of Persia that I mentioned before, of Persia, the warring campaign, he died in 529 BC after conquering Babylon, and Darius was 62 at the time that they conquered Babylon. So when Alexander the Great takes over in 334 BC to 331, neither of those two guys would have been on the scene. They would have already been gone. So Alexander the Great comes in 152 years later after Cyrus and Darius are king. So if that kind of gives you a feel of where we are on, on the whole timeline here. Now, let's get back to this he-goat that we see in verse 5. And it says, And I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. We know that's Alexander the Great. 6 says, And he came to the ramp that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And so this is Alexander the Great taking on the Persian and the Medes directly. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar. Now, collar, that word means angst, anger against him, and smote the ram, break his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Okay, therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. Oh, interesting. God mentions that he's very great. Well, yes, he was called Alexander the Great, by the way. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. This is inaccurate. He was strong because he had one and a half million square miles of land that he possessed. And so he was a great leader, none like him before at that point. For it came up with notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a fourth. Okay, so we're not going to go any further into that. I'm just going to mention about these four winds, what happened there. And we see this in back in chapter 7. The Bible mentions the beast there, which is Alexander the Great is likened in chapter 1, verse 6, as a leopard. It says, after this, I beheld and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back four wings of a fowl, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Okay, that is, again, Greece and Alexander the Great. Now, what are the four heads? And we see the four winds mentioned here, and I'll tell you what it is. It is after the death of Alexander the Great, who died at 32 
age 32, this empire that he had taken over would be divided up among four leaders. So let's take a look who it was divided, like it was broken into four other kingdoms after Alexander the Great had conquered it all. It was taken over by number one kingdom, Ptolemy, over Egypt, the Egyptian area. Number two was Cyrene, was over Cyprus and Palestine. Number three was Seculus, Seleucus, over Syria, Babylonia, Southern Asia Minor, and which again is Pergamon, we mentioned that before, and then Cassander is the fourth leader over Macedonia and Greece. Okay, so four leaders took the conquest of Alexander the Great and split it up somehow, and that's that's when God's talking about this. Now, this is truly fantastic. God could predict through Daniel and this vision, all this history that would unfold that Daniel had no clue whatsoever, but God shows it to him in this vision. It's, a, it's fantastic. So we see here that, you know, Alexander the Great had four notable ones toward the four winds, and that's those groups. But let's go on, and it says, and one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars of the ground and stamped upon them. Okay, now what? who is this and what is this about? This is about, we're talking about another leader that comes forth in that time frame, and we're talking about a guy named Antiochus the fourth of Epithane. He was a leader that came forth, and what region he came from that, you know, it says a little horn that came out of that section of those four leaders. And who was this guy? Well, he came from that section that I specifically listed. It was Seleculus over Syria, Babylonia, and Southern Asia Minor. We're going to talk about why that's so significant that Antiochus... Epithanes comes from that particular area. He was the eighth ruler of the Seleucid division over Greece, and he took the throne through deceit, and he was an anti-Semitic, and he, he is a form and type of the Antichrist. Now, this little horn, it says it waxed great, and it even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and the stars of the ground and stamped upon them, and it moved toward the pleasant land, it says in verse nine. What is the pleasant land? We're talking about the, is the land of Israel at that time, because this guy was hugely anti-Semitic. And not only that, Antiochus slaughtered more than 100,000 Jews in, during his reign. He raped, pillaged, he would even hang the Jewish babies. He forced Jews to sacrifice a sow in the holy altar of the Jewish temple, and he stripped the temple of its valuables. He represents the Antichrist here in this section of Daniel because he even had coinage that we know for a fact that says Epithanes God. He declares himself God on the coinage of that period of time. Now, we know for sure that 
you know, it's talking about him. Let me go on and read a little more in the Bible about him. Levin says, yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of its sanctuary was cast down. So he did do that. And 12 says, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. And 13 goes on to say, then I heard one saint speaking, another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? So Daniel overhears a discussion about this situation. And he said unto me in verse 14, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Well, Dina, this is absolutely fascinating because I want you to know that Antiochus Epithanes kingdom lasted exactly to the penny 2,300 days. Can you believe that? That's incredible. Yeah, and it works out that he was in control 171 B.C. to 165 B.C., exactly six years, 0.297. And, you know, he is definitely a picture of the Antichrist because he comes in peacefully. He takes the kingdom by peace, which we learn that about the Antichrist in Revelation. The Antichrist doesn't storm in and take anything by power. He does it peacefully, the Bible says, with a peace treaty, of course. And so same with Antiochus, Epiphanes. He is an exact image of the Antichrist. But then after he's in power, he turns on everyone and, you know, he begins in siege of slaughter, especially over the Jews, which is exactly what's going to happen in, you know, the end times and the tribulation with the Jews and the Antichrist. His true colors come out, and he declares himself God. And I want to point this out. This is just exceedingly fascinating that, you know, Daniel foretold about this guy back in what would have been 550 B.C., approximately, when he had this vision. So amazing, 379 years Years earlier, Daniel predicts the acts of Antiochus Epiphanes over the area. Now, when I mentioned the area that he came from, I mentioned that it was Asia Minor, which was, by the way, Pergamon. And Pergamon in Revelation 3, one of the seven churches, is the seat of of Satan. Now, isn't that fascinating that mm -hmm. Antiochus Epiphanes is over the area where the seat of Satan is? This guy is definitely an image of the Antichrist. And here's the other thing that's fascinating. So he creates coinage with his name on there and declares himself God on the coins. Okay, that's a direct duplication of image of the Antichrist because the Antichrist will also be responsible over money in the tribulation through the mark of the beast and he will declare himself god and if people don't acknowledge him as god and accept the mark of the beast they will be destroyed by him and so do you see the parallels of these two men very interesting yes and so it's no accident that we see this guy coming out of the area that the bible calls the seat of Satan. No accident there. We know that the enemy is, you know, involved in all that's going on when it comes to these things. And so let's go forward. We'll try to get into the next section. It's amazing how God put all this together, isn't it? He's the best storyteller. Unbelievable. Just, I mean, if you can't read this book of Daniel, understand this and see that God is real, then I don't know what it takes, okay? But we're going to 
verse 15, it says, And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Bulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So I came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking to me, I was in deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Medea and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now, that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And in the latter time of the kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and, del- and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. Okay, let's take a look here. We've got Daniel, and he's having this vision, and we go forward here, and he hears a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Well, I believe that voice is God. And he's, God is calling Gabriel, the angel, to explain the vision to Daniel. And so he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, I understand, O son of man, Daniel here is being called son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. Now, I want to tell you how significant this scripture was to me a while back okay he's speaking to daniel and he's in a deep sleep on his face and so dina i want to tell you that this scripture was significant to me at one point because when i started to hear from the lord and i received letters from the lord i would be listening to the letter and taking it down and halfway in to the letter i would just pass out i would just pass out cold and then i wake up and then god would finish giving me the letter and this would happen frequently and i believe that it what happened to me was like what happened to daniel and this happened to another man he was a pastor he's passed on now but he had encounters with angels and he would feel angel he would feel energy come out of him when he was near angels so Essentially, I think what we're dealing with is when people come in contact with the supernatural, like angels and God, it's like the flesh cannot handle the power of the angelic or the supernatural realm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so this is very much what I think exactly happened to Daniel here. He fell into a deep sleep because he was in, you know, communication with a direct communication with an angel, Gabriel, and the flesh cannot handle the angelic. And that's what we see here. And he said, Behold, I make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at this time appointed, the end shall be. And so he goes on in 20, and he, and he gives the clear explanation that the two horns we talked about before are the kings of Medea and Persia, the Medes 
the Medo-Persian kingdom, Cyrus and Darius. And then, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and that's, you know, Alexander the Great. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. And he was, you know, Alexander the Great, who took over all that landmass. And now being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand out of the nation, but not in his power. And exactly right. Those four nations I mentioned before, I talked about them, was Ptolemy over Egypt, Cyrene over Cyprus and Palestine, Seleucus over Syria, Babylonia, Asia Minor, Cassander over Macedonia and Greece. And so they did not take over those land masses in the power of Alexander the Great because he was already passed away. He died. And then they divided up the kingdom that he had conquered and created four kingdoms. And that's what this stands for right here. Now, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And that is Antiochus Epiphanes, I mentioned. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people, which he did. He destroyed over 100,000 Jews during that reign, and he reigned for a little over six years and 200 days, which, you know, God knew the exact dates that he was in charge. And isn't that interesting that it's the number six, Dina, six years? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, he's a direct representation of the future Antichrist to come. And so in the latter of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance, understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. Now, he destroys wonderfully. That doesn't mean, oh, isn't it great what he's doing? It means that he destroys completely okay that's what that means that his destruction is complete 25 says and through his policy also he should cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many he shall also stand up against the prince of princes but he shall be broken without hand well you know he did stand up against the prince of princes when he declared himself god And even had it imprinted on, you know, Epithane's money, which is, again, this is all symbolic of the Antichrist, who will do the identical thing by the power of, you know, Satan. You know, Satan will rule over their hearts. He ruled over Epithane, then he will rule over the Antichrist. And this is all symbolic of what's to come. Now, it says, but he shall be broken without hand. Yes. It's very interesting because Antiochus Epiphanes was not destroyed by an enemy. He had a war defeat and he died through his own misery. That's what the history books talk about. You know, I just want to mention that the same will be for the Antichrist. No enemy will come against the Antichrist. It will be by the word of the mouth of the Lord Jesus that he's finally destroyed. When Jesus returns with his church to stop Armageddon at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the biggest war in the history of mankind. So these two men are identical in their endings. And it says here in, you know, in verse 25. So 26 says, And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. Okay, what are those many days? Well, I'm telling you, the days are here that God is revealing all this to us. We can see it very clearly. In the last verse of this, it goes on to say, 27, and 
I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days afterward. I rose up and did the king's business and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. And I think he probably had a spiritual sickness because you can have a spiritual sickness, which is separate from having a actual physical sickness. So he was probably quite ill seeing what, you know, he was being shown by God, the horror that was to come, not just on mankind, but also the Jews. And so that must have weighed heavy on him. But just real quick in closing, I want to go over a timeline that I put together here that I think is going to be really interesting for our viewers and listeners. Okay, so we start out, Daniel is arrives on the scene at 605 BC. That means 605 years before Jesus Christ comes to the earth. And who's in power? Nebuchadnezzar. And he has taken the Jews hostage because Jehoiakim and the other kings are evil. And so they come into the Babylonian kingdom. Okay, 603 before Christ, Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, so that's a couple years later. Then all the way to 586 B.C., the Babylonians destroy Jerusalem. 580 B.C., six years later, we see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the furnace with Jesus himself. You know, he's the fourth uh, son of God in there. Okay, then we go on to 550 B.C., Belshazzar shows up. He assumes the throne in Babylon. He's the one that sees the writing on the wall and so that's about mm, i don't do math too well about 30 years later then 539 bc babylon falls to cyrus persia and the Medes. they block the water euphrates and they come in under the wall of the babylonians and then in 538 bc about a year later the jews go home to jerusalem many of them from persia however daniel is not one of them 537 bc the next year daniel is saved from the lion's den and so he's a much older man at that see he came on the scene in 605 he's in the lion's den at 537 bc and then 529 bc cyrus who's over the medes dies so around up to 486 bc darius reigns in persia and he is you know over the persians now we see this is fascinating 486 to 465 bc ahasuerus or xerxes reigns in Persia. Now, he is the king in the book of Esther, okay, that we're familiar with. 483 BC, this is when Xerxes holds his famous banquet in which Vashti turns her back to him. Then, 479 BC, Esther is made queen. So, still in the same location, the Shushan Palace in Persia that, you know, Daniel had been in previously. And so, that's what happens there. Now, five years later, according to historians, she's queen for that period of time. In 474 BC, Haman plots against the Jews and Esther, you know, she changes everything. And Mordecai is honored. He's given a high position. And then we go to 458 BC, a little bit later, Ezra is, comes on the scene, the prophet Ezra, and he leads a group of Jews back to Jerusalem from the area. Then in 334 to 331 BC, Alexander the Great destroys that, that kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire, and then he dies 331 BC. And then from that point 
All the way up to 171 BC to 165 BC, we see Antiochus Empathanes, the eighth ruler of the Seleucid division of the expanded Greek Empire, including Pergamon, which is the seat of Satan. And so for that six year, 6.2 year period, he does uh, incredible damage on the Jews and their temple. And then that leads us to 165 BC there. And then that leads into the Roman Empire. And then that's you know at ground zero is when jesus shows up okay and so that's how that works but i thought people would find that interesting to see you know where esther falls into that whole thing with daniel so you can kind of see how that whole line of history works okay wow and i think that's it for me incredible incredible teaching thank you so much for sharing the verses with us and the interpretations so for all of you you'll be able to find this video on many of our platforms uh susan's uh youtube marriage supper of the lamb and i'll leave that link below this video as well as here on my youtube and on our rumble channels as well as bit and also in podcasts, Google, Anchor, Apple, and Spotify. And we'd love to hear from all of you, so please do leave your comments below this video. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And Susan, is there anything else you would like to add before we close? Oh, yeah, real quick, I just want to say uh, I definitely think that if you do this program with us, that you should definitely follow along with Revelation for Beginners because uh, these two books support each other and help help you understand the other book. And so by understanding them both, you'll have a greater understanding of our time frame. What is going on in our world today has all been foretold through the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation so many years ago. And I think also you might enjoy reading the book of Esther because it kind of falls in place with all of this. But, you know, anyway, that's what I would recommend you do. I agree with Susan. All right, everybody. Thank you, Susan, again. Thank you to all of you again for tuning in. And we will see you soon. God bless.